0: Guten Abend, es ist 9 Uhr und das ist Quietly Yours. Welcome to a fiendishly festive episode of Quietly Yours, today we'll visit the trenches during a heavy snowstorm that will leave one soldier stranded in the blizzard in the middle of no man's land, but just as things seem to be about as bad as they can be, he discovers that he might not be alone. I wake up to the sound of Jack yelling, and there's some strange mix of fear and excitement in his voice. As soon as I've come around fully, I am painfully aware of the cold, and I draw my body in tighter. I open my eyes, and they sting. It's bright, brighter than I've ever seen it out here. Why is it so bright? I move slowly and poke my head out from beneath the shelter. Everyone looks just as confused, and then I feel it on my nose cold and soft, and all around me I become aware of the sea of falling snow. It started last night, Christmas Eve of all days. The last sliver of sunlight had just vanished when the first snowfall came. It was light and, to begin with, it lifted our spirits. We were all reminded of home. We spent the whole night telling stories, our favourite Christmas memories, our plans for the future what we'll do next Christmas when we're home. And within a few hours, a fine white layer had covered everything, but the snow continued to fall. I went to sleep with a knot in my stomach. I don't know what kind of conditions the snow will bring, but we've already faced so much. Our complaints probably sound a bit silly to anyone who's not lived through them themselves. It's just a damp pair of socks, they'd say. What are you complaining about? but the wet clothes are the worst. It rained a lot over the past couple of months, enough to transform the ground into a thick mud. That's on a good day. On a bad day, it would be like wading against the current of a river. And the rare days without rainfall? Oh, you'd still be sat in the mud, shivering, festering in your own stinking, sopping clothes. Then, for the unlucky among us, infection would set in. Trench foot, we call it. I don't know if that's a medical term or if it's just something the boys made up. But honestly, it's too nice a name. I didn't sleep for two days after John was carried away. He couldn't walk. He could barely crawl. His feet were twisted, swollen and blue. And there was nothing anyone could do to fix it. They let me go with him, they thought a friendly face would help, I suppose. He didn't even know what they were going to do, but I did. I grabbed him by the shoulders, I pushed him down with all of my weight, and I closed my eyes as the soaring began. For two days I heard that sound, echoing through my brain. His life will never be the same. The scars, the ones on his body and the ones in his mind, they're never going to go away. They'll be with him for the rest of his life and for what? Are we even winning? How close are we to the end of all this? Will this pantomime ever be over? After a couple of days, the nightmares faded and it's just one more horrific memory that I try my best not to think about. I try to ignore them and just get on with it. Because that's all you can do. There's no time here for anything else. The mud keeps flowing, and you just have to keep wading through, because if you stop, for even a moment, the current will carry you away. And so, when December finally came, I felt relieved. It grew colder every day, and it felt awful. But the ground slowly hardened, and everything got a fraction easier. We fashioned thick gloves out of any spare fabric we could lay our hands on, and we coped. But this grace period we we knew it couldn't last. Soon enough the weather would change again, and we'd have to adapt again. To God only knows what kind of conditions. But this none of us could have predicted this. I'm snapped back to reality by another voice shouting through the fog. Look, he cries. And I turn to see one of the boys, stood on a crate, poking his head over the edge of the trench. I panic. I rush over, grabbing him, trying to pull him down, out of sight, into safety. But he resists. I ask him what he's doing. I scream at him. Is he trying to get himself killed? But he doesn't respond. All he can say is, look! Well, he's still alive. No bullets. No panic, no attack. I'm shaking as I grab a crate, place it on the ground at my feet, and step up, peering over the edge towards the horizon. I can't see it. I can't see anything. Peering over the top of the trench, I could just make out the edges of the razor wire five feet in front of me, and then everything vanishes into a thick grey mist, and there's Thick snowfall as far as the eyes can see. There's a lot of chatter now. There's a lot to discuss. A lot to plan. And there's no time to waste. And it all comes down to no man's land. It lies between us and them. And it doesn't belong to either of us. Not really. But venture out there and... Well, you won't last long against the downpour of bullets. But if we could just have some time... Some time when they can't see us, when we're not under fire. Time to put up more defences, dig more burrows, and, most importantly, time to recover those that we've lost. Because they're all still out there. Lying in the dirt. Lying under the snow. Lying where they fell. Trapped for as long as the fighting continues. Because how could we bring their bodies back? We can't go out there. But today, today is different. Today we might as well be invisible. A large party is quickly thrown together and all the supplies are organised. We're all given different jobs. I'm running out sandbags, as many of them as I can carry. We don't have time to dig because we don't know how long the storm will last. It could clear in a day. It could clear in ten days. We just don't know and we can't afford to start digging. But we can increase our reinforcements. My feet are getting tired now. We've been at this for a few hours and none of us have eaten. But I snap to attention when I hear a cry and a thud just a few yards away from me. I rush over and find Bill on his back. Thankfully, he's fine. Hurt, but he'll be okay. I reach down and take his hand and I try to help him to his feet, but a loud cry escapes his lips. Maybe it's worse than it seems, he might have messed his back up pretty badly. I'm not a doctor, I don't know what I'm doing, and I don't want to make it worse, so I tell him to wait where he is and I'll go get help. I turn and I hurry through the snow towards the nearest group. I call out to them, but there's no response. I can't see them yet. The snow is too thick. I can barely see my hands when I extend them in front of me. Where are they? They shouldn't be this far out. I call to them again. Hello? Nothing. No response. I'm starting to panic now. What if something's wrong and they've headed back to the trenches? I should do the same just in case. It won't be easy to get Bill to his feet, but it has to be done. I turn and head back towards the spot where I left him, but... He... I can't see him. Where is he? I could have sworn this was the spot. Bill? No response. Bill, you there? He should be here. I'm straining my eyes now, peering through the curtain of white before me looking for a shape in the snow, but there's nothing. I can feel my heart pounding in my chest. I'm lost. I'm out here alone and I need to get back. I need to get back right now. But which way is back? I just, I just can't tell. I don't know where I am. I have to move. Part of me wants to stay here, to wait it out, to sit in this very spot and wait for the snow to clear because what if I go the wrong way? What if I walk right into enemy lines, the wrong step, and there's so much at stake and I just want to sit and wait it out. But I can't. I have to move. i have been on the move for barely ten minutes when finally a shape appears in the distance. But what is it? It's a person. It's a person. Immediately I reach for the gun at my hip. Who is that? No response. Bill? Bill, is that you? Whoever the shape is, he doesn't answer me. Why won't he answer me? He continues moving towards me. A strange, uneven walk, lurching towards me, it reaches out an arm, and I'm acting on instinct when I pull the trigger. The figure jerks backwards and falls to the floor, I've hit him. I rush over to where he's fallen, and I can see him clearly for the first time, lying on his back in the snow, his chest heaving as he struggles to breathe, a sea of red, Spilling across his grey uniform from the dark wound in his chest. He doesn't appear to be armed, although it wouldn't make much difference to him now. I drop to my knees by his side and I try to say something, anything, but I can't find the words. And then, between labored breaths, he speaks. Ren! Du musst rennen! I look down at the man's leg. It's bleeding heavily. The material of his uniform. It looks as though it's been shredded, and underneath I can see three deep, long gashes. There's a thick trail of blood in the direction he came from, and I feel my body shudder. What could possibly have happened to this man? It's here. You must rennen or it'll dich! I don't understand. I don't understand. I'm sorry. It's here. The beast will dich kriegen! Shafric to Beast. I know that name. For a moment, it's, it's like my blood runs cold. The snow continues to fall. The wind continues to lash at my face. The man before me takes his final breath, and, and I'm alone again. Shafric to Beast. It can't be. climb to my feet, glance once more at the long trail of blood, and move as quickly as I can in the opposite direction. My mind is racing. It, it can't be true. It just, it, it just can't be. It was John who told me about the Shafricta beast. He was never very specific about where he'd heard it. A friend, or a friend of a friend. Someone who'd heard it from an army pal after he'd spent six months in an enemy camp, Convenient, I told him, it's always a friend of a friend, but he told me all about the Scharfrichter Beast, a creature of German legend, a large, fierce creature with long sharp teeth and three jagged claws at the end of long, thick arms that drag across the floor. The Germans say, at least according to John, they say that the Scharfrichter Beast is a monstrous being who feeds on the evil of man and praise on murderers. I try to put the story out of my mind as I move through the snow, but it's like I can hear John's voice echoing through my mind. I would always laugh at him when he told the story. He always sounded as though he believed every single word and I would laugh in his face and tell him he's a fool. It's just a story, I'd tell him. Just a story. I don't know how long I've been out here now, but it's starting to grow dark. The snow is falling heavier than ever, and the world remains draped in thick fog. I still can't see where I am, I don't know where I've been walking, I don't know where I've ended up. But I can feel myself growing weak, a part of me wants to give up, but then, there is a glimmer of hope as a shape slowly comes into focus in front of me. I don't know if they're friend or foe, but at this point I just don't care. But I grow closer, and the figure begins to take shape, and I realize that something's very wrong. It's not a person. It can't be. It's far too big. Much taller than a man, and it's, it's wide with broad shoulders. It, it lifts a long arm into the air to reveal a set of long, sharp claws at the end of its thick fingers. And then the creature stops. I can't see it properly through the snow. It's just a silhouette. But I can't shake the feeling that this creature is staring at me. It stands there motionless, staring. What is this thing? What is it doing? And then I hear John's voice from somewhere in my mind. It feeds on the evil of man and preys only on murderers. That's it. That's why it stopped. That's why it isn't attacking me because it can't. The Shafrikta beast can only hurt those who are guilty. Those who've killed another person, who've taken a life, and it can't attack me because I have. The cold air stings my lungs as I run through the snow, panting, and I can hear the creature moving behind me. After a few minutes though, I think I've lost it, but I'm too afraid to stop and look. All I can think about is moving forward, getting as far away as I possibly can, and then another shape appears in front of me, and I hesitate, but as a human figure comes into focus, I let out a sigh of relief and I run towards it. Help me, please! Stop. I need your help. Come not near. There's something after me. I... The snow feels cold against my back, but heat spreads through my body. Am I in pain? It seems like I should be in pain, but I'm not. A face comes into focus as the soldier leans over me and inspects my wound. His face tells me everything I need to know. I'm suddenly aware of just how much effort it's taking to breathe. I just can't seem to catch my breath. But I have to, I have to warn him. You have to, you have to run. You have to run, it's out there, it tried to get me. I'm pleading with him, but it's no use. He can't understand a word. You have to run. You have to run or it'll get you too. You have to get away from the shop. it's a beast! His expression changes suddenly, and I know that he understands. Go! Run! He was terrified. The poor boy. He didn't look any older than 15. He's never taken a life. You can see it in his eyes. He's never hurt anyone. Not until... I wish I could stop it. I wish I could stop the beast. No one here is evil. No one here wants to hurt anyone. But here we are. Innocent men, forced to kill. Good hearts, destroyed by their thirst for power. And when a shark beast comes to feed, who's to blame? I wish I could stop the beast. I wish I could stop it. And that's all for tonight. You heard the voice of Max Ablitzer in tonight's episode. He was kind enough to translate and record our German lines. If you're a big fan of horror podcasts like ours, you might already know him. He's the man behind the Horror Tales podcast, which narrates creepy horror stories from various talented authors. If you've never heard it before, and you're enjoying Quietly Yours, well then you'll probably enjoy Horror Tales too. You can find it on their website, com, or find it on YouTube, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play. All the usual suspects. If you want to share your thoughts on tonight's episode, you can get in touch with us via pretty much any medium short of smoke signals. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our handle across the board is Quietly Podcast. You can also email us at quietlyyours at uk. Then there's our website, daffodillies.co.uk slash quietlyyours. You'll find anything else you might need to know over there. Wherever you might be listening to us today, we always appreciate rating and reviews on your app of choice. It really helps new people find us. With all that said, it's time to get out of here and hit the mulled wine. I wish you the merriest of Christmases, and we'll be back the first week of January with our next story. Until then, I... I'm quietly yours, and you are quietly mine.